Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Beis. Today's shiz Ishmas um Baruch ben Chaim Tzvi and Shlomo ben Aaron and Yaakov Elchanan ben Ben Sion. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah, may the memory be a blessing. It's also for a full Shlomo of Hanachaika Bas Baba Michla and Yitzchak Yehuda ben Miriam. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so first sugya we're going to discuss is um, just a little bit of background is that there are different types of employment and it has ramifications of how we view them when they work on Shabbos or Yom Tov we're going to discuss Cholamoy uh, and maybe Avelus on behalf of us um, the one type is Kablanus that's where you hire someone to do a specific job uh, it's not for a time related um, thing you're not paying them per hour you're paying them for the job like a mechanic a dry cleaner often builders, um, that sort of work. They don't get a salary or anything, they get paid to do the job. Um, one of the key points then is when they choose to work, it's up to them. Um, the other type is schirus, at where you hire someone, that you're paying them per hour or per week or you know, you're know you giving them a salary or a wage. Um, now schirus is more problematic on Shabbos and Yom Tov because when you pay them to work at a specific time, it's as if you're asking them to work then. So if they're working on Shabbos, it's like they're working because you asked them to work for you. So that's uh, that, as we're going to see over the daf, is uh, is a, is a more you, know, you run into more problems with it. Um, now we're going to see. So kablanut in general would be mutar because when you pay the non-Jew too fix your car, to um, build a house, do some renovations. Again, you're paying him X amount per um, X amount for the job. And if it takes him one week or two weeks or 10 days, that's up to how he works. And when he chooses to work, would he rather do it on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday or Monday to do the job? Well, that's his choice. So that's, uh, that's why it's often mutar, but we are going to see some qualifications in this. And for example, if he's working, if what he's doing is clearly for a Jew, and it could be uh, the type of work that could be, that maybe he's a soicher, or that people might just get mixed up and think that you asked him to work specifically then, then it would be a problem. So let's, with that background, let's go into the daf. Um, top of uh, 12a, says Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, now, yeah, something to just keep in mind. That the, many of these cases, especially the first ones, it's a dis- big discussion in Rishonim. Are we speaking about Shabbos, Yom Tov, or uh, or Avelus? Because remember, yesterday it introduced, yesterday's daf introduced also an Ovel can't work. And yeah, so let's just see. So Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Makable Kipoilos, you can hire someone with a contract of a Kablan. Okay, remember that's project-based work as opposed to time-based. I'll pay you X per hour, you're paying per job. If he's going to work within the trum, then it's forbidden. But if he's going to work outside of the trum, it would be permitted. Rav Papa restricts further. He says... Even outside of the Trum, this is specifically where there isn't a nearby 
city or nearby town. But if there's a nearby town, then it would be forbidden because the Jews in that nearby town will see them working on your property. So it's one thing, you, you got out of the problem of the people of your town, they're not going to see them work because it's outside the Tchum. And grant this that we said it's permitted where there's no. So now we've got two restrictions. It has to be outside the Tchum and not nearby any other town. Lo Amron, that's only permitted. Because no one's going to go there. People are very likely to. Go there, then it would be Osir. Remember, on Shabbos and Yom Tov, you're not allowed to walk 2,000 Amos outside of your city, outside of your Shabbos zone. But on Cholamoyed, you can. So this leniency that there will be no Maris Ayin, that no one will really see what you're doing, um, makes most sense only on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Because on Cholamoyed, it doesn't matter if it's, there are many people who go on hikes and walks and they go, go see what's happening outside of the town and stuff. They're going to leave the Trum, so it would be a problem. So this is Shmuel's restriction. You can't do Kablanus when it is public. Um, again, people are concerned that you... One of the, the concerns that the Rashi here brings is that... The concern is that people will think that you hired him to work on Shabbos. Or you made the contract on Shabbos. Okay, Mazutra, Breder, Nachman, Mazutra... The son of Rav Nachman said, They built him this ampanje, uh, like a palace or a mansion, through a kablanus contract outside of the Trum. Safra and Rav Huna Barachin went to visit him over there, but they wouldn't go into the palace. And some said even Mazutra wouldn't go into it. I this palace was built outside of this mansion was built outside of the Trum with Kablanus, and still these rabbis wouldn't go in, they wouldn't get benefit from this Melochadan and Shabbos. Oh, but Shmuel says someone who's um hired on Kablanus and it's outside of the Trum, it's permitted. So Adam Choshuv, shiny. No, an important person is different. They have to be more careful and distance themselves even from something that looks slight, that appears to be wrong, even though it's not really wrong. Some say, no, the problem was that he supplied the straw to make the bricks. I, if he wasn't involved at all and it was done through Kablanus, okay, then he could get benefit. Then, then that's permitted because this that the workers chose to work on their weekend was so that they could finish quicker. It was for their, that's what they chose to do. But by the fact that he supplied the straw for them, well, now he's involved with their building and therefore they work, it would be awesome. Um so that's, that's another general rule. Now, there are a few principles that come out of here, um, just la halacha. Um, one is that, so is it also, if let's say, you didn't know this halacha and someone built your house, they renovated your house, they renovated, you added on a few rooms to your house on Shabbos, are you, now, are you never allowed to go in that house or not? 
So in Shulchan Aruch, they medayik that it doesn't say osurya. It sounds like it's a pious practice that they wouldn't go in. Um, Um, and therefore, it's not also but people, but as we see, they acted stringently. So you should act stringently and you shouldn't get benefit. Another question is, you have a general principle. Let's say a non-Jew does malacha for you on Shabbos. What's the general rule? You have to wait till after Shabbos, either time it would take for them to do that malacha, you have to wait that long. So let's say they, uh, I'm just trying to think what they could have done for you. I don't know, cooked something that's permitted for a non-Jew to cook and it takes uh, 30 minutes to make that dish. So you should wait 30 minutes till after Shabbos and then you can get benefit from that dish. So here, why can't we say it, it takes them, I don't know, uh, six hours to build this, uh, to build this. Why don't you wait six hours of Shabbos and it's muta? Why all of a sudden are we stricter and saying that they could never go in? Or the, and one should never go in. So the one answer given is that this is much more public. That this building is uh, building something is more public and therefore it's more in everyone's face. Everyone notices and it, it attracts a lot more attention and it will always be associated with that it was built on Shabbos and therefore it should always be it would always be problematic to go into that house. That's the one way of looking at it. Now there are a few showing him just in general here. Um, and it might have an effect um, whether we're discussing I mean I explained it all as if we're discussing building on Shabbos and Yom Tov but like here Rabbi Nutam learns that it's discussing Avelos and on Shabbos and Yom Tov it actually would be less of a problem um, don't want to go into how he learns now um, but yeah, they do make distinctions in the game. again it's a very tricky area of halacha because there's so many factors there's kablanus there's schirus when is kablanus similar to schirus um, but an added factor is building properties worse because it's more public you know whose it is oh look they look building on mr so-and-so's property you know it's not like but if you would drop a suit at the dry cleaners well there are a hundred suits there some are jews some are non-jews so it's, so if the dry cleaners washing your suit on shabbos it's less problematic than if someone's doing renovations in your garden or paving your driveway or something like that because it's less, it's not associated with the owner. If it's a car that everyone knows about and the mechanic's working on it in Shabbos, that could be a problem because everyone knows who's, if, if it's the sort of thing that people know whose car is whose, 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 whose car. Um, Yeah, what also makes a difference is where it's something that is clearly kablanus versus something that's sometimes kablanus, sometimes schirus. Like, uh, if, if the garden is paid per hour, whatever he does on Shabbos is definitely also, as we'll see principles later, um, that's straight schirus. But what happens if he works on a salary, like many maids? Um, but again, you're running into trouble, something that's sometimes schirus, sometimes kablonus. The added stringency is just to be aware of these, uh, these halachas. Okay, let's carry on. Rav Chama, Shari Luhu, La'aban Gurei, Deveresh Gelusa, Lamevi Luhu, Abdusa, Bechul Edemoid. Rav Chama allowed the Aban Gurei, I don't know if it's the, the people who would set the tables or repair the tables of the Reish Gelusa to do their malacha on Cholamoid. Now, Omar, Kimen, Da'agra, Lo, Shokli, 
Since they don't get a, a wage for fixing these tables, it is a favor. And therefore, there's no problem with them doing this favor on behalf of uh, someone else. Very interesting. Again, there seems to be no real malacha. Remember, on Cholomoyed, there's various problems. One is, if it is doing malacha, as we've seen, you're not allowed to do malacha unless you meet certain criteria. Another aspect that we've seen a problem is doing work or having someone do work from you, even if it's not real malacha. But here we see that paying someone to do real work, to do something for you, even if it's not malacha, is a problem because then it's turned into work. Let's call it a weekday activity. And, but here where they do it as a favor, they just get a, it seems they would just get uh, food, uh, they would get to eat there or whatever, then it's not a problem. You are allowed to enter a contract of Kablanus on Cholamoid on condition that they, for them to start on after the Moid. Over Moid also, but they can't start on the festival. So you can speak to the, you want the builder to do some renovations on your house, or you want some paving done, whatever. You can set out the deal and sign the contract that he starts next week after Yom Tov. Um, interesting question, what happens? Part of the Chirushia, it seems, but we're discussing non-Jews, but it could apply to Jews as well. And the Ritva brings, the Chirush is, why it discusses non-Jews, is because it's actually less, more problematic with a non-Jew. Because if you make a deal with a non-Jew that, okay, let's, you'll do this uh, renovations for me, but only after Cholomite, he's going to keep to that. He's not going to work on Cholomite. But if you do it with a non-Jew, the non-Jew might decide, you know, I actually want to get a head start. I'm going to start tomorrow. You told him to start next week, but he decides to start tomorrow. So he's still saying you can still do it. And that brings up a question, can a non-Jew... Um, can the non-Jew, what happens if the non-Jew does start? You told the guy, here's my, will you do my driveway or do some renovations, whatever it is, and you'll start next week. And he's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You walk past uh, the house that he's doing it and you see him working on Cholomoyer or on Yom Tov. Do you have to stop him? We actually come, the Ramo actually Paskins, you don't have to stop him based on the Nemuka Yosef, that you don't have to stop him. If he starts, if you told him you want him to start later after the regal and he starts by his own choice, then it is fine. Um, where this actually has, again, it's not all the exact same and obviously it needs its, its analysis, but a question that comes up quite, that's come up, that come to me a few times more, more recently is deliveries on Shabbos. You order something on take a lot and they deliver it on Shabbos. Well, now you do lots of orders online. You can order anything uh, uh, and, uh, and it's delivered. What happens if they deliver it on Shabbos? So obviously it seems you would not be allowed to ask them to deliver it on Shabbos. But what happens if they do deliver it on Shabbos? What's the status? Do you have to send them back with it? Can you keep it? Do you have to wait? It takes them 20, uh, half an hour to do the delivery. So you have to wait um, that long till Motzei Shabbos. What's the status of a parcel delivered on Shabbos? Especially if you ask them not to do it, well then there'd be even more leniencies. Okay, Klala Shel there's a general principle. Kol Shehu, anything that he could do, you can ask an Anju to do. The culture, anything you would not be allowed to do, you cannot do yourself. Ah, this is the famous principle um, of Amir al 
You're not allowed to ask an Anju to do something that you're not allowed to do. Now, there's an interesting question. This is discussing Cholamoid. What's the reason? So, granted, on Shabbos, you're not allowed to cook, so you're not allowed to ask an Anju to cook. Again, okay, remember, it's only a Yisudra Bonin, but you're not allowed to ask an Anju to cook. You're not allowed to plow, so you're not allowed to ask an Anju to plow. But in Cholamoid, what's the reason you're not allowed to do Malacha? Because of the Tircha, because of the effort involved. You're supposed to be celebrating. And isn't it only a problem of Tircha? So the Orach HaShulchan points out that's not the only problem. We go, oh, and once it's Tircha, well then, if someone else is doing it, there should be no problem. That's what he wants. Oh, so he says, no, um, there's also the aspect of distraction. You mustn't be distracted from the celebrating of the festival, from Cholomoyed. So, um, so if on Sukkot you're getting granted, you're not going to be the one doing the renovating, but you're going to have builders start renovating, it's going to be very distracting. You're going to want to see, are they doing it correctly? Are they following the plans? Are they using good quality materials? You know, all the stresses and chaos that comes with the builders or people doing stuff on your behalf is very distracting. Very distracting. Tanya Yidif, we have another price. The Maccabin Kipoilis B'moed la soysa la achar ha-moed uvelvad shelo yimdod v'shelo yishkol v'shelo yimone k'tereshu oysa b'chol. You are another price that added that you're allowed to set up the contract on the festival that they start after the festival or after Cholamoid as long as you don't do measuring, weighing and counting of it seems of the materials like you would do on the weekday. So let's say you're entering a contract for someone to do your dry cleaning consistently. So you're not allowed to count out your shirts and suits and stuff that you're giving to him. Um, that, that's the one example given. Um, you're not allowed to weigh the material that you're giving to the contractor to use. Tonura Bonon Ein Marvin another halacha Ein Marvin Bahema Bechula Shalmoid. You're not allowed to mate an animal on Yom Tov. Sometimes they would assist pull the one animal onto the other animal to mate them. You're not allowed to do that. It seems the reason is because of tircha. It's effort. It takes effort. You've got to really pull these animals and hold them tight, etc. Um, so it's tircha. And it could why just leave it for after the festival? It doesn't have to be done then. Similarly, you're not allowed to mate a bechor or a psule amugdoshim. What's the similarly? It seems the similarity, the similarity ends is you're not allowed to do malacha with them. And this is counted as working the animal. Mating an animal is counted as working the animal. That's a similarity as far as it goes. Bechor has a level of kedusha, remember? So therefore, you're not allowed to. It says lo savod malacha. You're not allowed. Um, what's it? Lo tavod bechor or something like that. You're not allowed to do malacha with a bechor. Yeah, lo savod bechor. And psule amukdoshim. The pasuk says psule amukdoshim is remember when a sacrifice gets an injury and you redeem it. So you're allowed to eat it. It loses its sanctity. But it still has remnants of it. So you're allowed to eat the animal, but you're not allowed to work it. And as we've just said, mating is working. And cholamoid, you're not allowed to work an animal. You're not allowed to do work, therefore you're not allowed to mate an animal. So there's not a strong similarity, but it's that similarity that mating is counted as work. On cholamoid, it's counted as work. That's because you're going to the effort. But on with Bechorep, so it's a, it's, you're not allowed to work the animal. Tanya Idich Ein Marvin Bahema Bechula Shomoid. Now the price of torture, not allowed to mate an animal on Cholomoid. Rabbi Yudah Aimer, Chamoire Shetova Mavino Leo, Zoha Bilvil Shaloitit Stanein. A donkey that's in heat, you are allowed to mate so that she doesn't uh, cool down. It seems either then she won't mate after the Yontuf, so you'll suffer a loss if you don't mate her when she's in heat, or, it will, or she'll get sick from it. Um, so therefore you're allowed, as we know, you're allowed to go to effort. Again, you've got to weigh up the cost, the, 
the effort um, hefzid uh, ratio, but it would be fine. And other animals, you can just leave them in their pen. You're not allowed to actively mate them, but you can lock the males and the females together in the pen and let um, if they're going to do it themselves. You're not allowed to medayorin. What's medayorin? Medayorin is, um, if you want to fertilize a field, so what they used to do, they'd put animals in a fence on a certain part of the field, and then obviously the animals eat and... Uh, and, all, and you use their manure and stuff to fertilize the field. And then you move the fences slowly around the whole field till the whole field is fertilized. So you're not allowed to do that. Neither on Shabbos or Yom Tov. What malacha is it? Probably um, it's either Choresh, which is preparing the land, or Zoraya, um, improving the growth. Making things grow. So those are the melachas. If, if non-Jews come and fence in these animals by themselves, then it would be mutar. You're not, you not allowed to help them and you're not assist them and you're not allowed to supply the God to watch their flock. Again, because they're, as soon as you get involved, then they're, then you're part of the work. They're working for a Jew, and that's the problem. Again, where they came on their own volition, then you can just leave them. What happens if, he, if these you had a contract, they were hired for the week or for the month, or for the year, or for the whole Shemitah cycle? You're allowed to help them. Because you can give them a... You can supply the God to watch the flock. Um, when he's hired over an extended period, then he has flexibility when to work, when to do what he wants to do. It's kind of like when you pay your maid for the month, she chooses which days she's going to, I don't know, change the tiles and change the linen and do the laundry and da da da. But so it's, there is that flexibility in time. That's the one reason why you can be more lenient when it's a long term contract. I was thinking maybe this, I'm not sure about, but maybe another possibility also is where it's more long term, then people know that it's up to them. It's not like they came in on Shabbos, did their work, and left. They've been there the whole week, they've been there the whole month, they've been there for the last few years. So therefore, people know that they're not working specifically on Shabbos for you, for you on Shabbos. So that's why it could be more lenient. Um, Rebbe Oimer Rebbe says, now, um, this is in a case where the Nochri came to fertilize the field on his own uh, accord, how do you pay him? If you do pay him, well then it's clear that you want him to work. And it's as if you asked him to work on Shabbos or Yom Tov or Cholomoy, wherever this is. So Rebbe Oimer Rebbe says, but Shabbos Betova, if he came just on Shabbos, you can do a favor for him. You pay him by doing him a favor. Doing someone a favor doesn't constitute paying, so it doesn't have this aspect of you paying him to work for you on Shabbos. But Yom Tov, but on Yom Tov you can provide him food. Again, more similar to a wage, but not really, that's not really how you pay someone, so therefore it would be fine on Yom Tov, and Bemoid, on Cholomoid, Beschar, you can even pay him. And Omar of Yosef, Hilchesik Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef says that the halacha is like Rebbe. Okay, let's go on to the new Mishnah. The new Mishnah is very similar to the previous Mishnah. Remember, the first Mishnah, the Perek, was someone who started the process of their olive making. And 
then it became Cholomoyer or they became a mourner or something to the degree that if they now stop the process there and leave it for after the festival or after they're a mourner, it's going to get ruined and they're going to suffer a loss. So this mission is basically the same principle but with wine. Or if someone's wine was in the vat, I know if they don't distill it into barrels, it's going to become ruined and they're going to suffer a loss. So and he became a mourner. Or who's not allowed to do work, or oinates, or something happens that it got pushed off till the festival. He wasn't able to do it on erev yomtov. Or she too, or his workers tricked him. They never rocked up to help him. Zoyle for goimer gaf kedar kodivrei rebi yosi. You're allowed to barrel it completely normally according to rebi yosi. Rebi huda oimer oisol olimudim bishvil shaloyis chametz. No, you just have to put boards over so that it doesn't turn sour. But you're not allowed to do the malacha properly. And again, this is the machloikes rebi yosi and rebi yehuda and important. And Machloikas underlying Melocha on Cholamoid, and it seems Avelus as well, but that was a bit of a, dis- a discussion. Is um, is uh, according to Rabbi Yossi, if you're going to suffer a loss, you can do whatever is necessary in the normal manner to save that loss. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda holds, no, even if it's you're going to suffer a loss, you still have to do it in a Unusual way. So that's that, Mark Lucas. Um Benji, did you have a question? No, no, oh. just the, the phone ring. Just, okay. Uh, sorry. No, no problem at all. Tzricha, so now why do we need both cases? Why do we need the case by pressing oil and making wine? It's both the exact same principle that if you pressed wine or oil, You've got wine or oil that's going to spoil if you don't do the next stage in the manufacturing process. You're allowed to do it according to Rabbi Yossi in the normal way, so you don't suffer a headset. And Rabbi Yehuda, in an irregular way, either so you don't suffer a headset or so that you just suffer a minor headset. Why do we need both missions which seem to be teaching the exact same principle? So if it's true, both are necessary. If we would have just had the first Mishnah with olives and olive oil, maybe that's where Rabbi Yossi is lenient and says you can complete the process completely normally because it's very valuable and you'll suffer a significant loss. But if it... Um, Therefore, but with wine, wine's not as valuable. And therefore, maybe Rabbi Yossi will agree to Rabbi Yehuda that the wine, you can't finish the process. You just have to prevent the significant loss. And if we just had the second Mishnah to do with wine, maybe that's where Rabbi Yehuda argues because wine is cheap. So maybe granted Rabbi Yehuda says you can bottle the wine normally. To save you, even once you once you're allowed to bottle it to save a loss, you can do it normally and complete the process. Rebuter says, since wine is cheap, just do something to minimize the loss. But you can't do it completely normally. You'd have to do it in an irregular way or not finish the process, the complete process. But the first mission, which is to do with oil, which is very valuable, maybe Rabbi Yehuda will agree to Rabbi Yossi that you can complete the process to not suffer any loss at all. So. Therefore, we need both of them to say, no, it's an amachloikes across the board. Regardless of the actual value of the item, if you will suffer a loss, Rabbi Yossi holds you can, to save the loss, you can comp- do the malacha completely normally, and Rabbi Yehuda holds, no, you can only do it in a, with the shinoi in an irregular way. 
who's the Tana who holds that to save a loss, you have to do the Malacha with the Shinui in an unusual manner? Deloik Rebbe Yossi. It's not like Rebbe Yossi. And Omar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Halacha Karebi Yossi. The Halacha is like Rebbe Yossi. Now, there's an interesting question the Ritva asks. So, what have we just said? Rav Yosef says the Halacha is like Rebbe Yossi. And if you're going to suffer a loss, you're allowed to do the Malacha in a normal way. I don't know if you remember the beginning of the Masechta when we were discussing the um, watering the field. We said, if it's, um, we said there, we seem to say that it doesn't matter if you're going to suffer a hefzid, especially where it takes tircha effort, it would still be asur. Um, so that's, uh, so the Ritva asked that, and very interestingly, he says there you have to weigh up the, the, how definite is the loss. Here you have the wine in front of you and it's starting to turn sour. And if you don't get to barrel it quickly, you're going to lose it. It's going to all turn to veneer or, or go to waste. So it's very imminent, the loss. It's, let's call it Korov Levare. It's almost certain. Whereas in the case of the beginning of the mission, it's, oh, you don't, in the beginning of the Mesetta, ah, oh, you water your field, you don't water the field. It's very, it's likely, but how imminent is it? Is it very, very likely? So he makes a distinction in the, the nature of the loss. Is it going to definitely happen or is it likely to happen and we can and he says the, according to other rituals learning you can go more lenient and go like Rabbi Yossi when it's very like very very likely to happen okay boy my name Ram Nachman I asked Bar Yitzchak can you seal a barrel of wine on Cholamoid or beer on Cholamoid so Amar Luhu Sinai Amar Alokha Rabbi Yossi the son, the Sinai, Rav Yosef, who knew the halachas as if he heard it straight from Sinai. That's why he got the nickname Sinai, said the halachas is like Rabbi Yosef. He says, oh, I'm a domer, Rabbi Yosef, b'chamra, b'shichram, yomer. Well, Rabbi Yosef said the halacha regarding wine. Who says you'd say the same thing by? Beer. So, chamra, time of mind. So, he explains, he says, no, what's the reason he allows you to use, to, to, Save the wine in the usual manner, Mishum the Nafish Seder, because you'll suffer a loss. Sichranami is Bay Seder. Well, there's also a loss by the beer. So there's no reason to make the distinction to Omar Abai. Abai says, Omrili Aim, my mother told me, Bar Shitso Vishaya, mi Bar Timni Veloshaya. Says, rather have a, a barrel of six sayer of beer that is sealed correctly than a barrel of eight sayer which is not sealed correctly. Because again, the sealed barrel will spoil. The, uh, the sealed barrel will improve, it will be valuable, it will be good quality, whereas the unsealed barrel will be a weaker, lighter, more likely to go to waste. He says, oh, so as soon as you're suffering the loss, that's where Rabbi Yosef's halacha, or Rabbi Yosef, who passes like Rabbi Yosef, kicks in, that you can save it in the normal manner. Omar Rav Chama Ba'guriya, Omar Rav Halacha Moed, Hilchus Moed Ki Hilchus Kutim. The halachas of the festivals are like the laws of the Kutim. We remember what the Kutim are. We actually haven't seen them in a while. But they pop up all the time over Shas. The Kutim, I remember that sect who never, who converted to Judaism to be saved from lions. It's a question whether we view them as Jews or not. But even according to those who view them as Jews, we have a principle. There's certain mitzvahs that they took on and they kept very carefully. And there's certain mitzvahs that they don't keep very carefully. There's no rule to which mitzvahs they keep or not. But if you know that they're good, they keep certain mitzvahs, those mitzvahs you can trust them in. But the other mitzvahs, you can't trust them in. But there's no real logic or system to which mitzvahs they took on themselves. So he wants to say that Cholamoid is the same. He says, my Hilchah, so what do you mean Cholamoid is the same? 
I Omar of Daniel Barkatina, of Daniel Barkatina explained, Loimer Shahain Akaros, they're barren for Zubazu, and you can't learn one from the other. What does it mean they're like barren and they can't learn? Like a woman who has children, she has offspring. You, you, there are things that come from her. But these halachas of the moed, you can't make deductions. You can't learn things that come from them. Ah, you've got to be very, very careful when applying the halachas of the moed that you know the reason clearly to be able to reapply it. And we're going to give an example now, but this is again like the kutim. These halachas are isolated. You can't say, oh, well, if in that case it's okay. Mutar, in this case it's mutar. If in that case it's osur, well, then in this case it's osur. Or if that case is also, this case must be mutar. You can't make deductions like that with the hilchus cholamoid. Just like by the kutim, you can't say, oh, they keep those halachas, we, they, we can trust them in these halachas. No, there's no rules. There's no clear connections. Now, we're going to give an example. It says, the Omer Shmuel, zoftin kuzisa ve'en zoftin chavisa. Shmuel says you're allowed to coat these jugs with tar, but you're not allowed to coat, coat barrels. I think j- barrels are just a bit bigger than jugs. And Rav Dimi Minadai, Omazuftin Chavisa, Vainzuftin Kazisa. Rav Ziftin says, no, you can coat the barrels, but you can't coat the jugs. I the exact opposite. Now we have to understand why would the one permit the other and forbid the other. So he says, Mar Rav Dimi. Chayesh, Rav Dimi is more concerned, Lehef said, for a loss. Umar Chayesh, Letirche, and Shmuel is more concerned for the effort. I, again, remember we've, we've mentioned this a few times, but on Cholamoid we're often weighing up. You're allowed to, you're allowed to suffer a loss. You must, you must suffer a loss. You're not allowed to go to the effort. But other times if the loss is significant, then you can go to a, bit, a little bit of effort. So they're weighing up. Which one do you give more weight to? Which one are we more concerned about? Suffering a loss or going to the effort? Shmuel is more worried. Just for example, Shmuel is more worried in this, in this calculation of uh, cost or suffering the loss versus effort. Shmuel is more concerned about the effort. Therefore, he will allow you to... Um, tall pitch this small jug but not a large barrel because he doesn't want you to go to a lot of effort oh you're going to suffer a bigger loss he's more concerned about effort so as long as it's a little bit of effort it would be fine but if it's a lot of effort it's also whereas Rav Dimi gives more weight to the loss you're going to suffer so he says ah you're going to suffer a loss then you're allowed to do a big barrel even though it's more effort oh small barrel a small jug only a little bit of loss but what do we see What do we see? That um, we see that you can't learn from a barrel to a jug or a jug to a barrel because it depends which opinion you follow and what's the main con- what's a, which one do you give more weight to? Which one do you be more concerned about? Yomtov? Are we concerned about the hefzed or things? So we see you can't learn. Oh, you're allowed to tar a jug. Must be you're allowed to tar or put pitch around these items. No, it depends. Like Shmuel, if you can do a jag, you could do a jag. But you cannot do a barrel. Whereas according to Rav, uh, Rav Dimi, you could do a barrel, but not a jag. So Omar Abaya Abaya says, Naktina, and we have a tradition, Hilchus Moed ki Hilchus Shabbos. The halachas of the Moed are like the halachas of Shabbos. What? Yesh mehem potu also. They're those things that are forbidden, that you, that 
you're exempt from a biblical punishment, but they're permitted. And they're those that you can't, you're allowed to do completely. Right, just as on Shabbos, we find some things that are also derabonin, but there's no Doraisa punishment. So too on the Moed, on the Cholomoed, the things that are also to do Durabonin, but you wouldn't get a Doraisa punishment. And there's certain things that you would think are 100% permitted, but are actually uh, sorry, you would think are forbidden, but are actually permitted. And there's some things that are mutalachachil. I'm not going to go into example now. But there's an obvious question. On Shabbos, there's another category. There's actually three categories on Shabbos. There's what you would be higher for, what you're not allowed to do to Orisa. Then there would be Potteral of Aval Asur. And then mutalachachil. Why does he leave off the first statement of there are those things that are us that you would be liable to Orisa for doing? So this is a support, some bring this as a support for those who hold that. Melocha on Cholamoid is only Osudrabon, and that's why it doesn't bring that first category, They're those things that you have on. Okay, let's go. Second line on Yud Beis, Amud Beis, 12p. Rav Huna Chazdulei Chazda B'moada. Rav Huna's workers harvested his field on the on Cholamoid. He allowed his workers to harvest his field on Cholamoid. His son, Rabba, challenged him. He said, Dad, Abba, Rav Huna, how can you do that? The mission we learned in a price, the kemach pamoid, let's sorry, chamoid. You're allowed to grant flour on Cholamoid for the sake of the festival. Vishaloy, let's sorry, chamoid, also, but if it's not for the festival, you would not be allowed to do it. Davor she'ovud pamoid, mutalatsos pamoid, if it's something that you're going to lose if the work is not done on the on Cholamoid, you're allowed to do it. Davor she'ena ovud pamoid, Asur. But if it's something that you will not cause a loss, then you have to leave it till after the festival. When is this leniency that if it will, you'll suffer a loss, you're allowed to do it? But Tolosh, Minakarka, with things that are detached from the ground. But if it's something that's attached to the ground, even if it's completely. Um, even if you'll lose it entirely. It is Osur. So Rav Huna, then it says, If he doesn't have what to eat, And if he doesn't have what to eat, then he can harvest, um, reap, thresh, etc. As long as he doesn't thresh with oxen. We'll come back to that threshing with oxen. Just two points. So what's the, why is it more problematic to work? What are we saying? That to save a loss, you can do that on Cholamite. But to save a loss with produce that is still attached to the ground, that is also. The reason is because it's very public. Now this is the question on... Um, so we see, but if you don't have food, then you're allowed to prepare your own. You're allowed to do all the, the lochas. But the main point Rav, Rabbi Bar Rav Huna is asking his father Rav Huna is we see that you're not allowed to work with attached ground, with grain that's still attached to the ground to save a loss. So how could you do it? How could you allow it, Dad? So he says, That's the individual's opinion and I don't hold like it. Says the Tanya, where do I say? Klal Omar Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Mishum Rabbi Yosi. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel said in the name of Rabbi Yosi, Dover Atolosh Menakar Kafilu Miktosa Ovid Mutar. If you have something that is detached from the ground, even if you'll just suffer, if only some of it will be lost, it's Mutar. Vamachuber Lekarker Afilu Kula Ovid Osur. But if it's attached to the ground, even if it is, will all be lost, it is Osur. Now, but what do we see? That according to Rabbi Yosi. But it's specifically Rabbi Yossi who says that you are not allowed to work with produce that is attached to the ground. So Rav Huna is saying that's Rabbi Yossi's opinion and I'm not paskining like Rabbi Yossi. Um, 
The end of the previous price, which we're now saying is Rabbi Yossi says you're not allowed to thresh with cows, with oxen. But according to Rabbi Yossi, we learned on the previous page that you, once you're allowed to do the malacha on Yom Tov to save a loss, you're allowed to do it in the usual manner. So why would you not be allowed to thresh with oxen according to Rabbi Yossi? So that price of company says, no, the one who says that you have to do malach in the unusual way is not Rabbi Yossi. I Rabbi Yossi holds you can do it in a usual way. So why can't you use the oxen? So he says, no, the reason here is that many days you don't use oxen to thresh. And the reason here is not because of it's a shinu. I We thought that why can't you thresh with oxen because you have to do it in an unusual manner. He's saying, no, you're doing it in the usual manner. The, there's a different reason why you're not allowed to sh- use the oxen. Um, and the commentaries explain because it becomes very public. The ox, you have to set them up to the mill and they make a lot of noise and it's a big deal. So that detracts from the guess the sanctity of the day if you have make such a mission and such a commotion and such a noise but the, the problem that's why you're not allowed to thresh with oxen but you are allowed to do the threshing in the normal way according to Rabbi Yossi again obviously in the scenarios that you're allowed to thresh okay you're allowed to ground on the festival for the festival also but you're not allowed to ground for not on the festival so let's say you need some flour to bake challah for Yom Tov you'd be allowed to ground the flour on the festival can you ground flour for the Shabbos after the festival? Or for the next week? No, you're not allowed to. If you did grant, again, primarily for the festival, but there was some left over, then it's fine. You're allowed to cut down wood for the festival. Oh, you need to make fire so you can cut down wood. But not for after the festival. But if you did cut for the festival and there's leftovers, it's permitted. You can... Sorry, you can brew beer for on Cholamoid for the festival. But if it's for after the festival, it would be awesome. If you did brew and there's leftover beer, it's still mutar. As long as you don't use this as a trick. You don't say, oh, look, I'm brewing beer for Yom Tov, when really you know it's double the amount you need. You can brew generously, and you're allowed to have leftovers. So you can say, oh, I'm having guests. I don't know how much they're going to drink. I'll make an extra barrel. That's fine. But you're not allowed to say, you know what? I'm definitely not going to... No one's too hungry. Let me just... No one's too thirsty, but I'll brew an extra one anyway. That you're not allowed to do. Oh, very minu, but there's a contradiction. Um, it says you can brew beer... On Cholamoid for the festival, but not for after the festival. Whether it's date beer or whether it's barley beer. And even if he has old beer, you're allowed to make new beer as long as you drink from the new beer. Let's say you have beer in your cupboard. Are you allowed to go and brew beer so that you have for the festival? You would have thought no, but he's saying, yeah, you can use a trick. You can brew fresh beer and drink the fresh beer. So what else is no tonight he detanya? It's actually a machloikas tonight. Ain marim bekach for biyotzi b'yuda. I'm a marimim. Yeah, it's a machloikas whether you're allowed to do such a trick. Um. 
Yeah, this concept of Ma'ariv, we don't have time to discuss now, but it, it, it's an interesting one. When are you allowed to do a trick? I say, look, once I'm brewing beer for Yom Tov anyway, let me just brew a bit. Oh, you got time on Cholamoid, and you've got beer. But you say, let me brew my own beer. When are you allowed to do these tricks? When are you not? It came up in when we discussed Hilchus Yom Tov, because remember on Yom Tov, you have to, you're, not allowed, you're allowed to cook for that day. So when are you allowed to cook a bit more? When can you say, you know, visitors might arrive, I'm going to cook a huge amount for them, knowing that they're unlikely to eat it all. You know, this, when are you allowed to do these tricks and when are you not allowed to? Um, I think in general we do not allow it, but there might be certain scenarios, depending on how you learn the principles, where it could be allowed. Okay, Rav Chatzdu Lei Chatzda Bechula Demoid, Rav Harvested his field on Cholamoyed. Shama Shmuel Ikbid Shmuel heard or yeah, Shmuel heard about it and he got very upset. Says Are you going to tell me that Shmuel holds like the individual? Because remember, we learned up above that um, it's the individual who says you're not allowed to harvest grain to save it from a loss. Whereas the general opinion would be you are allowed to harvest grain to save it from a loss. It seems sometimes with the grain, or at least a certain type of grain, if you, once it's ready, every day that you don't harvest it, it gets, it loses value. It loses quality. So that's why you should be allowed to harvest it on Cholomot. So why did Shmuel say you can't? It says, no, lo have a No, this was wheat that doesn't decrease in value if you leave it in the field. So how could Rab then harvest? If, they, if he wasn't suffering a loss, how was he allowed to harvest? It says, Rab didn't have what to eat. Shmuel didn't know this fact in the case. Or alternatively, he held Shmuel hold. Um, an Oram Choshev is different. Granted, most people would be allowed to do this. An Oram Choshev, since he draws a lot of attention, people will learn the wrong halachas from it. They'll think that you can harvest on Yom Tov. Rabbi Yehuda, Nesiyan Ofeik Bechum Rasa, Dama Dusha Ve'ishti Maya Achling Fela Armai. Two totally separate halachas that Rabbi Yehuda did. One is, Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyan, one is he went out, he carried a signet ring made out of this coral, on Yom Tov. And the second one is he drank water boiled by a non-Jew. Okay, not to do a Shabbos Yom Tov. The first one is to do a Shabbos Mutzah carrying the signet ring because you're not supposed to use it on Shabbos Yom Tov. But, and the second one is that he drank water boiled by a non-Jew again on a weekday. So Shmoma Rebbe Ami Ikbid when Rebbe Ami heard about this he got cross. Says Omar Rav Yosef my time Ikbid why did Rebbe Ami get cross? Says Imi Shum Chumrus the Meshuda Hotanya Hashim Ben Lizim Atabas Harayin Kekliani Tolim Bechotzeb If you're going to say he got cross with him for carrying the ring because it's Mutza we have a principle that bracelets nose rings rings all these things are like other Kalim again granted it could be Mutza because you're not really allowed to use it on Shabbos the signet ring if you need the place or you need the ring for something that is permitted, it's fine to carry it in the Chatzar. And if you want to say it's because he drank water boiled by a non-Jew. Now this is the concern is Bishol We know you're not allowed to have food cooked by non-Jews. Anything that could be eaten in its same state raw... There's no concern of Bishol You can drink water raw, you can drink it boiled. So there's no issue of Bishulakum. Says Adam Choshev Shiny. No, an important person should be stricter. I heard that Rav Shechter said that everyone thinks they're just under the Rav. So if the Rav does everything normally, then everyone's going to 
everyone's going to do everything just under the halacha. If the Rav raises his game, and with certain halachas like these, he's more careful, well then everyone who thinks that they're just under the level of the Rav, practices at least the correct practices. Um, a person's allowed to cop, chop down a palm tree, even if he only wants the sawdust. So he's going to a huge amount of melocha to saw down this palm tree just for some sawdust. He's allowed to do that because he wants the sawdust. So he's like to Allah, buy a buy a curse, such a practice. Ravashi Ravashi had this forest in Shalnia, and also the he went to cut down some of the trees for the sawdust on the festival. I'm not sure what they use sawdust for, but he wanted some sawdust for the festival. He says, Ravashi, might I take? The Kamar of Hanana Lomar of Koyte Zoram Dekel Bemoid, Afal Pisha Enotorik, Elele Nostro Shalot. Says Ravash, he said to Ravashi, How can you do this? Are you following uh, Rav's opinion that you're allowed to cop, chop down a palm tree even if you just want the wood? Holaitolabaya, buy a curse to anyone who would do this. I think again, because granted, technically it's mutar, it's still going through a huge amount of effort for something so insignificant. Or anytime a person chops down a palm tree, the primary reason you chop down a palm tree is for the wood. And granted, here he wants the sawdust. It's still against the primary reason. So, on the way, so Abaya cursed such a practice. So, Amalelo, Shamali, Kolomelo, Sferili says, I don't hold for what Abaya says. Oh, Ishtamit, Nagra, and Bayel, When he was chopping, the axe slipped and he chopped off his leg. So, he realized, oh, I better leave it. And he went home. Very interesting. What? He paskled that it's mutar. All of a sudden, an incident happens and he takes that as a siman and he changes the halacha. What's going on here? Okay, we don't have time to discuss it, but obviously it can't be that you change your mind because of just thinking something happened. But it's an interesting discussion. A person is allowed to pick flax or pick hops or uproot the shumshime, some sort of plant. I know why you can pick pick flax because people use that to wash themselves with. Kushusa Khazila Shikra, I know why you can pick hops because you use that to make beer, which you're allowed to make on Cholamite. Ella Shumshi Mulamai what are you going to use these Shumshimi for? It seems when you pick them you still need to leave them to dry become edible. So he says Khazil and as I said Asibu he says no some of the seeds in it that you want to eat or some of the part of the plant that you want to eat is already dry and therefore you can pick it. Ribiana Havalaya who Padisa the Matazim the Bukhula the Moid there was this orchard orchard that the time to pick was it was ready on Cholamoy to be picked and cut face, so he picked them. The Shana, the following year, the next year he saw that everyone left their orchards to pick on Cholamoy. The reason that he picked it on Cholamoy was because he knew it was ripe now, and if he left it, it would spoil by the time he got to Cholamoy. So, because of the loss, he's allowed to pick it. Everyone saw this great Rav picking his orchard on Cholamoy. They said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to leave next year. That's convenient. I'm not working anyway. I'll save it and pick my orchard then. Says, what did he do? So he made his orchard hefker that year. Um, so then not everyone real as a as a, I guess as a, he felt guilty about this that everyone had learned from him the wrong halacha and therefore he uh, he didn't uh, do that. He he made his whole orchard hefker. I think maybe also to make a big statement to everyone that you're not allowed to pick your orchard on Cholamoid. And obviously the reason he had done it the year before um, was a problem. I mean, I think this is a good support for all these times we've seen Adam Choshev Shiny, an important person is different. A big Rav, people look at and they learn from him. 
they try to learn from him a lot, and therefore they might learn the wrong halacha. Okay, we'll leave it there for today.